Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Well, good time change Sunday morning, right? Amen. Doesn't it feel great? Y'all look great for losing an hour of sleep. I'll give you that. You look wonderful. Thank you for being here this morning. It is so good to see you. I am tired, but I'm ready to go, right? Anyone say amen to I'm tired? Okay, all right. We're going to wake up together, all right? God is good, and we have a huge announcement to give today. So we'll just wait till, I think I'm going to postpone it till we're not so tired. So next week, we're going to get, no, we're going to do it today, okay? We have a, a huge announcement to give. Now, last week, I actually mused out loud. I, I said, and I remember Brandy Nelson, who's in the back there, I, I said, is huge short for humongous? Like, is that the abbreviated word for humongous? She's like, I don't know. And I didn't know either. So I went down the rabbit hole this week to figure out if huge is the abbreviation of humongous. It's not. Okay, so humongous <laughs> is kind of this silly American word, right? It's, it's the joining of huge and, and ginormous, which is also another combination. No, it's, it's, it's like... Uh, it's not even a real word. We just made it up not too long ago. It's just one of these American things. We're like, hey, humongous. That just makes sense. Monstrous and huge. We're going to put those together, and that's how we got humongous. Now, the actual word huge goes back many, many, many years ago to the Germanic branch of the uh, Indo-European languages. Okay, I know you wanted to know that. But it comes from the word meaning hill. So huge, a derivative, is a derivative of hill. All right, not like I heal you, be careful. All right, no one fell over, all right? All right, but heal as in like a mountain, but a little bit smaller. And so that's where we get the word huge. And you're like, what does this have to do with today? I see your faces. You're like, I have no idea what you, why you're talking about the word huge and heal and, and the word hagos. That's the word. Okay, did I mention that? Hagos comes from the Germanic branch uh, of the Indo European languages. Okay, that's that word. That's where we get huge, that's where heal comes from. It absolutely has nothing to do with today, okay? I just thought I would confirm your suspicions of how crazy I am, and it is true. But actually, as I've taken you to the origin of the word huge, I want to take you to the origin of this announcement, this huge announcement that we have. So to do that, we're going to go way, way, way back, okay, to the very beginning of Everyday Church. And so for us to understand today, we've got to go way back to the Genesis, to the birth of who we are as a people. Now, who we are as a people come down to a mission statement. Someone tell me what that is. Okay, you're waking up. I love it. Okay, so I heard it. Reaching, I have horrible handwriting, okay? Reaching the city to reach. Good job, now we're alive. It's not even on the screen. You're doing good. Okay. One day at a time. Okay. So we see that. Reaching the city to reach the world one day at a time. This is who God made us to be as a people. I love it. It's concise. It is what he put on our heart from the very beginning. And that's who we are as a people. We want to reach the city and we want to reach the city to reach the world one day at a time. And I'll explain a little bit about that. To help us explain this mission statement, we actually have three words that begin with S, Bill, not Coast Guard S. Okay, we've got to be careful there. Okay, these are more proper words that make up these phrases. All right? And so we've got three words that start with S. So reaching the city actually 
can be summarized by a word that starts with this. What is it? We actually have a little painting on the wall out there that you walk by and you never even think about. And now maybe it'll catch your attention. Okay, what is it? No? Saved. Okay, boom. Saved. All right? You can't read that. I can't read that. But it says saved. Okay, so saved. We want to see people come to know Jesus. That's very important, especially in the city that he has given us. In fact, when God called Kim and I to plant Everyday Church, one of the verses, one of the passages that he used in our lives and to speak to us about coming here was in Luke chapter 8. This is when Jesus healed the man with a legion of demons. Okay, He had many, potentially thousands of demons, and Jesus cast those out into pigs. If you remember, uh, that's why you should never eat bacon because uh, demons love pigs. I do too. But Luke 8, 38 says this. The man from whom the demons... Amen. All right. We just had a casting out right now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Sorry, that was very inappropriate. The man from... That's an angel, okay? Not a demon. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. Now, who's him? That's Jesus. So the man who had the demons cast out is like, ooh, I want to be... With Jesus, I want to go with you. But Jesus sent him away, which is interesting. But this is what Jesus said, verse 39, Luke chapter 8. This is how the Lord let us hear. Return to your home. Declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now, of course, if you're around Oklahoma City, people call OKC the city. It's the city. When we were living in Tulsa, it was we're going to the city. It wasn't talking about Bartlesville. Okay, it wasn't talking about going up into Joplin or, or even into Jinx. Okay, the city is Oklahoma City. And so, as we were praying through and asking God where He wanted us to go, we saw that this man wanted to go with Jesus. Like, man, I, you, you've changed my life. I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, 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 I got something for you. I want you to go to the city. And I want you to tell everyone there what I've done, how I've changed your life. And so a big rallying point for Kim and I was to say, we want to go to the city and we want to go reach people in the city. We want to go see people saved in the city. We want to go through Oklahoma City area, through the Oklahoma City community, and tell people about Jesus and see them Get saved. Now, saved is kind of this churchy word. Biblical uh, sentiment is that we want to see people saved from an afterlife apart from Jesus. Okay? An eternity. We're talking about an eternal life. We want to see people saved from an eternity apart from Jesus. We also want to see people saved from an earthly life void of purpose and peace. Okay, and so we want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. And so to reach the city, we, we're, we're desperate. We want to see people get saved. It's a big part of who we are as a church, not just Kim and I. That's, God used that to call us to help all of us get to this point where we're passionate about reaching the city. But we also want to reach the world. Okay, We want to reach people. That, and then there's another word that starts with S. What do we want here? We want to see people saved and then sent. Woo, we're cooking with peanut oil. Here we go, sent. All right? So when people give their lives to Jesus, they become saved. And immediately you get sent. This guy that had the legion of demons, uh, legion of demons, Jesus changed his life, and he, he didn't say, hey, no, 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 don't go tell people yet about Jesus. Go get all the answers. Go figure out everything. No, he had a testimony, so go testify to your testimony. Go on about it. Go tell your story. Go throughout the city. Go throughout the town. Tell people about what I've done. Now, if you've given your life to Jesus, you don't, you're not sent until you get all the answers. 
Because listen, I wouldn't be sent. Because I don't have all the answers. I don't know if, 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 if Adam had a belly button or not. Okay, so there's some things that I just don't know, you don't know, and we don't wait till we get all the answers before we're sent. No, we are just a sent people. Okay, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We want pretty feet. We want to be the ones that are out there telling people about Jesus. Okay, we're, just as much as we're passionate about going across the street, we're also passionate about going across the sea. Because we understand God is a global God. Every life matters. Those are core values of everyday church. And so we want to reach the people closest to us. But we also know that God isn't just for people close to us. God's for everybody. And so, yes, don't, don't. This is where you can think, well, how can you be interested in other people? Not, you can be interested for both. And we are. We want to reach people across the street and across the sea. That's who we are. And so we're, when we reach the people closest to us, we have this idea. Hey, listen, we're not going to stay here. We're sent. We've got to go reach people. So we're going to take trips. We're going to pour into Africa. We're going to pour into other states. Okay? We're, we're trying to reach as many people as God would allow us to. Where God wants us to go is where we want to go. And we understand it's not limited to just this city. So we want to see people saved. And then we want to see people sent, okay, reaching the city to reach the world. Uh, and let me just say this. When we said yes to Jesus, we also said yes to the mission. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you get saved, you're not only just saying yes, change my life. You're saying yes, send me. In, in the words of Isaiah, we are saying here am I, send me. It's not just the here am I. We got to add the send me part. All right, so when we said yes to Jesus, we also said yes to the mission. We should be a, a sent people. If you're saved, you're sent. Now, the one day at a time, what's our word there? It's kind of, but shaped is the word, okay? All right, shaped. Now, shaped would take too long for our morning to completely talk about, but there's little periods here because it's an acrostic. It, has, it stands for each, each letter has a, 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 a meaning, and this is our pathway of discipleship. We believe that all of this really is one day at a time because it's a marathon. We don't have it all figured out right now. And so we're constantly being changed into the image of Jesus Christ, sanctified. Okay? We're hoping that tomorrow we look more like Jesus than we did today. And we were on the path of grace, and we understand grace is the only thing that empowers us and helps us. It's not our work but we train ourselves to be godly. And so through the power of grace, we get into these, we study the word of God, we hang with other believers, we abide with Christ through prayer and fasting, we provide for the needs, needs of others, we exalt the Lord through worship, and we deliver the gospel. That's the discipleship pathway. We're trying to look like Jesus. We're trying to be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's going to happen one day at a time. Listen, I'm still a work in progress. You're still a work in progress. Some of you still more a work in progress than others. But you're a work in progress, right? We're all a work in progress. We're all getting shaped into the image of Jesus. When we put our life and trust in Jesus Christ, we're saved, we're sent, and then we're shaped in that process. That's who we are. And so I want to ask us as a church, I want you to just think about it maybe internally. Which of these are we, are we probably doing better at? You know, what's our greatest strength? And I've asked some people, that question within our church, some key leaders, and said, hey, what do, you, what do you think is our bread and butter right now? Not that we're perfect by any stretch of the imagination on any of these, but, but where are we maybe above the curve? And, and it came back one day at a time, the shaped. And I think you would, if you really thought that through, our e-groups do really well. In fact, almost everyone in this room is a part of some sort of e-group, and we have other community-based things, whether that's 
girls' Bible studies, guys' Bible studies, those types of things. But we're, we are passionate, of course, about seeing people shaped into the image of Christ because we should be passionate about all these. But probably where we're excelling, where we're above the curve, is seeing people get in the word of God, hanging with other believers, abiding with Christ, providing for the needs of others, exalting the Lord. Okay, you get what I'm saying? This is probably where we're the strongest at currently. Now, if I asked you, where are we the weakest or where's our greatest opportunity of growth? Because we have to pitch it positively, right? You know, that's how you do things. You, you don't say it's a weakness. You say, what's your greatest opportunity for growth? All right, let's think about that. What is our greatest opportunity of growth? I think if we were being honest and I asked some people this question, they all said here, right? Reaching the city. <laughs> this is not working anymore. But reaching the city. I think we could kind of look at this and think, yeah, we're, we're not necessarily as a church, church-wide, coming to see a lot of people, coming, or seeing a lot of people come to know Jesus Christ, right? I'm not hearing those conversations. I'm not seeing it necessarily happen on Sundays. Now, in six years, we've, we've seen some people come, some of you in this room, doshers, other people that have come to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of everyday church, which is great. But if we're just saying, where's our greatest opportunity of growth? This probably lies there, right? That we could be more active as a church and more intentional about helping people come to know Jesus Christ. And I got to be honest with you, this area of opportunity for growth has really, I think they're figuring out Facebook Live. We good? The, this is, I, uh, for me personally, caused the greatest turmoil to think about that this is our, our weakest area. And I'll just put it this way, because I know when God called us, he called us to see people saved, to, to see people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and to come to know him, and to put their faith in him. And it, it's created turmoil within me. That we've struggled in this capacity. It's been hard to think about our church that, that we did. We have grown because we started with two families. But we kind of quit the process of growing. Now, here's what happens. Of course, naturally, in church life, you're going to have people that are going to leave. You're going to have a, a precious Williams family move to Indiana. You're going to have a, a sweet life family move to Minnesota. You just naturally, God is going to place people in, in different parts of our world. I mean, it just kind of happens. Life happens, right? God does that, where he will take a group of people and he'll move them to a certain spot. But as we've lost more people through life, we haven't added more people. And so that's the result of not growing. And the primary way that we want to see people added is through People putting their faith and trust in Jesus. We're great if God sends us people and brings people that are already believers and whether they move in or just a season of life or whatever it is, God is, we're good with that. But our primary way, we really are desperate to see people put their faith and trust in Jesus. So I've had moments of God, like, why are we not experiencing that? Why are we not seeing it? And I've been praying and I've been fasting and I've been asking God and, and just literally crying out to him, God, what, what are you doing here? What is happening? Why are we not seeing people come to know Jesus? Why are we not growing as a church? We are seeing one day at a time. We are seeing people shaped into the image of Jesus, but we're not reaching the city how I thought we would reach the city and how I desire to reach the city. And so I've, I've literally had prayer times where I've just, I, I've basically have pictured myself as Peter in the water. And I, it, it seems kind of strange, but just, 
I envisioned myself crying out, God, please rescue me. Rescue us as a faith family. And begging God to do that and saying, rescue us. Bring life to us. Resurrect us. And one time I prayed that and I was asking God, resurrect us, rescue us. I came across Psalm 107. I was led in my time with the Lord to Psalm 107. I want to read you Psalm 107. Not all of it. It's a very long psalm. But I want to read some of it to you. I'm going to start with verse 1. Okay, so if you have a Bible, you want to read along. That is great. Psalm 107, verse 1. says this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And can we just stop there for a second? Can you give thanks to the Lord? He is good. As much as I'm telling you right now, I've been bummed and hurt, frustrated. Listen, I I can rest in this. He's good. He's been faithful. So as I talk about growth and I talk about weakness, listen, the underlying theme through this all is God's been here and present and real. And his faithful love has endured forever. And we're just asking God, you are, since you are good, what, what can we do to do the best we can? We want to stand before God and say, what, did, did we do all that we could for you? Not for our own fame or our own glory, but for your glory and your renown. And so I, I want to start with that. Give thanks to God. He's good. His faithful love endures forever. Now look at verse 2. Has the Lord redeemed you? Answer that in your own self. Has, has the Lord redeemed you? Look at this. Then speak out. Tell others. He has redeemed you from your enemies. Listen, if you've been redeemed, you want to see people saved, speak out. That's what it is. Tell others. People aren't going to be saved if we're not telling others. Bottom line, okay? Think of you. Think of the church. How do we do this more? All right? Personally, I, I'm reading this. I'm thinking, okay, I've been redeemed. i got to speak out. Not got to. I get to. I want to tell other people how the Lord has redeemed me. Verse 3, for he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, Help. I've been there. Lord, help. They cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. And as I begin to read all of Psalm 107, I felt like this was me. I was begging God to help. God, help. And I had prayed that. God help. I'm drowning. And listen, life can be crazy. I'm, don't, don't, we're not a comparison game because listen, some of our people have been through the ringer. I'm just talking about in, in ministry and in our church and where I want us to be. We're not there. And I feel like there's been drowning. God help. Rescue me. Rescue us. I've prayed. I've longed to praise him for his rescue. And as you go through Psalm 107, there's three more examples. Same situation of people crying out to God and him rescuing. They're in distress. They're in trouble. Help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And God steps in and he rescues. The rest of Psalm 107, I want to read. Because look at verse 33. This speaks, the psalmist speaks of God's character, speaks of God's power. So after we have four examples of people crying out to God in their distress and God stepping in, we see this about his character. Verse 33, he changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But, right, verse 35, 
He also, okay, our God can do that, but our God can also do this. He turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Now, I want us to take this to heart. As the psalmist says, I want us to see the faithful love of the Lord. Our God is able to take the desert and turn it into an ocean. Now, I don't want to be so naive to say we're a desert. I... I because I don't want to discredit what God has done. Okay, but we all long for more vibrancy. We long for more life. We long for the Lord to move. We long to reach the city, to reach the world one day at a time. And so frankly, we're more like a desert than an ocean. We want growth, vibrancy. Look at verse 37 again. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest. Everyone say harvest. They're bumper crops. Now, what we've kind of done with this verse, you didn't even know it. And I think maybe God just, to, to continue in the theme, planted a seed in my heart, but we then go to Luke 10 2. As a church, we've adopted that. and We've been praying for Luke 10 2. You know what? The harvest is great, but what? The workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. See, we've been praying for more workers into the fields, which, by the way, is you and me. We're the workers. And we need to go to the fields. Which brings me to our announcement. We, we clearly aren't seeing bumper crops. We're, we're not seeing a harvest currently. Okay, we, we aren't reaching the city why? Why are we not killing it here? I, I don't think there's just one answer, by the way. I think it would be foolish to, to say it's just one thing. I think there's a multitude of things and things we can all pray for and think through and be better. But I think one key thing would be location. You can't see it, so I don't, I don't know why it's... <laughs> Up here. It's probably a blur. It was a cool little thing at first, but where we currently meet has created a little bit of some unwanted consequences. See, the best way that I would know how to put it, and by the way, this is a blessing, okay? And we'll, we'll talk about that. But I think the best way that I, I've figured out how to put it is that the insiders of our neighborhood in which we reside, they view us as outsiders. Even though we've reached out, we've gone door to door, we've um, had cookouts, we've had egg hunts, and, and we've offered a summer of service to, to do whatever we could to just bless them. There's been effort, and there's been conversations. I've walked the streets and had conversations with people of, hey, I'm a part of this church, or I'm a part of that church. 
um, there's another church that meets in the neighborhood, and it's an older community. It's a lower income community that has a little bit more of a transient people come and go. Um, there's some rent homes. And so the insiders view us as outsiders. They haven't really adopted us or embraced us or really been interested enough to do that. Now, the outsiders of this neighborhood, which is all of us in this room, by the way, <laughs> but the outsiders of this neighborhood view us as insiders, which is not good either. Okay, Both of those situations are bad because the outsiders of this neighborhood think, oh, it's just a little neighborhood church that ministers to this little neighborhood. And that's, we all have come from different places here to meet here because God has given us this building for this season, which has been incredible and has been awesome that he has. But we have to admit that it hasn't helped us reach the city because it shrank our field. Unintentionally, our field got smaller because we got surrounded by a small field. And so I, I think for us, I'm just convinced that it's time for us to find a better field, okay? Where there's more potential, there's a greater pool of people where we could say there's, there's a harvest that abounds. And so starting April 5th, we're going to be gathering somewhere new. Woo-hoo, yeah. <laughs> Dramatic pause for the woohoo. It's a place that we're uh, familiar with. We're going to be worshiping starting April 5th at Early Wine Park YMCA. Okay? As the great theologians, the village people said, we're going to the... They're not theologians, but yes. Now, here, as I, it's 119th of May, if you're unfamiliar, Southwest 119th of May, 4.9 miles, a short 4.9 miles away from this location, which 85% of our people actually live closer to. But for those of you that are in the 15% that are a little further away, please, it's just 4.9 miles away. You can hang with us. But what we're going to do is we're going to see a whole bunch more people that we can hopefully reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I did some demographic work this week, and I found that in a short five-mile radius, there's 145,000 people. So five miles in any direction of Early Wine Park, YMCA, Southwest 119th and South May Avenue, 145,000 people, which means there's about 100,000 people that don't know Jesus Christ. They're unchurched or dechurched. 100,000 people in five miles. It's a heavy populated area. In 10 miles, those numbers dramatically increased to 415,000 people with 300,000 people unchurched or dechurched. If we want to look at 5,000 and know that, or five miles and know there's 100,000 people that we could reach, or if we want to even go further in 10 miles, which I think is also doable, there's 300,000. There's a lot of people to reach. And this doesn't mean God's not interested here. We, we, we still want to do as much as we can to reach as many people, but I do believe that this is a time for us to give God a chance with our faith to do something supernatural. We're putting our natural out there, asking God to put a super on it. And so we're going to go to the field. We've been praying that God would send the workers into the And this, I'm telling you, as we started praying that, this wasn't what we were doing. God has just begun moving. And in that process is moving us to the fields. 
Y'all get that? We ask God to send more workers to the fields. And here we go. And so the week before Easter, we're going to be there. Now, we're going to meet in the gym. We've got a larger space. We're going to meet and we'll have two of their kids' areas, which are incredible designed kids' spaces that are going to be perfect for our e-kids situation. And so we got, we got some work to do, though. We need more laborers to get ready. It's going to take all hands on deck to get there and to reach as many people as we can for the glory of God and for, uh, for our Savior. I want to advance his kingdom. Listen, I believe we're up to the challenge. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We've got to get to casting seeds. We've got to get to planting. But I do believe, EC, we're up for the challenge. And that's why I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That you is you. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill, or you are the light of the world. Okay, we're, we're, as far as salt goes, we're not just a preservative, we're a flavor. Okay, we're to enhance our community. We're to do, we're to make things better. You have a compelling message and a mission for the masses. Okay, you do. You have a compelling message and a mission for the masses. I do, you do. We have good news to share. All right, in fact, throw that up there, Nick, if you will, that sentence. You have a compelling, if you got to get that on there. I want you to see that because that you is you. You, 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 me, me, me. This is us. We have a compelling message and a mission for the masses. We are the salt of the earth. And it's not just about a, a, a new location, which use that to your advantage. Use that we're in a new place. We're going to try to market, um, we're going to market it, I was going to say the heck out of it. <laughs> I was like, wait, is that really appropriate? We're gonna, we are, okay? We're going to do as best as we can to let people know, but to get to the ultimate message about Jesus Christ, okay? We're a city on the hill. By the way, you remember hill? Huge. This is huge. We're to be huge. We're to be big. And so we want to be that city. We want to be that light is not hidden, but that shines out for everyone. And that's who God called us to be. And so this new location, it isn't our end-all, be-all. It's not our Savior. Our Savior is our Savior. And that's who we trust. But we want to serve Him faithfully. We want to do all that we can as His people. And we want to go reach the city to reach the world one day at a time. Now, I thank God for this building. Is this the church? No. I remember when we first moved here. Some people were like, oh, you're finally a church. No. We were a church at the Palagio Shops. We were a church in the home, in the workplace. We're a church. And we're still going to be a church. Does the why make us a church now? The blood of Jesus makes us a church. Brothers and sisters in Christ. But we have a new location. But I want to pause and say thank you, God, for this location. It hasn't been all what we wanted to be. But, man, it's been what he wanted for us for this time. It was a good time to have rent free. We made some improvements. And I hope to God's glory he uses this. To advance his kingdom in whatever way. We're going to take on rent. That's something we haven't done in a while. But we got we to step out on faith. It's time. 
And so God's been good to us. He provided this, but he's given us this wonderful opportunity to go there. And so we're going to be Everyday Church there, here, wherever he calls us. For now, we're Everyday Church that meets at the Y. We're going to put the C back in YMCA, right? <laughs> That's what we're going to do. And so Sundays, we're going to need you. Tonight, e-groups, talk a little bit more about it. We'll give out some more logistics as we go through this month, as we wrap up here and celebrate what God's done here and look forward to how he moves us to the Y. But we're going to need everyone. We're going to pull together. And it's going to be fun getting dirty again, setting up, tearing down, building some unity together, rubbing elbows. I don't know phrases that when you work hard, it's like, what, what do you say when you do that? It's been so long since I've had to do that. Is rubbing elbows, is that like a phrase? Is that an inappropriate phrase? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. And we can't be scared of the coronavirus either. That's right. We, we're going to just get nitty gritty dirty. All right. It's going to be fun. So Facebook Live, I don't know how much you got to, did they come in at the end or whatever? All right. Hey, see me. I'll tell you the story. All right. Hey, listen, let's, let's pray, and, and let's ask, let's one, thank the Lord for what he's done here, and then two, prepare us for the journey, and it's going to be an incredible one, and I look forward to what he's going to do, but the ultimate goal isn't just a new location, it's new life in Christ. We want to see people know Jesus, and if we go there and it's not happening, something's off. We've got to go reach people. There's too many not to. We're going to the fields. We've got to be intentional, and we're going to take advantage of every opportunity we can at that location to reach as many people for Christ. God, that's our heart's prayer. We want to see people come to know you. And God, I thank you for the testimony in this room, that there are many in this room that because of the ministry of Everyday Church, one, either came to know you, or two, has deepened their faith, their walk with you, has grown in their relationship with you, has known you more and more and been shaped into your image. And so thank you for the ministry that has happened here at this specific building through the life of Everyday Church, just like the Palazzo Shop, just like the Westminster Event Center. But God, we recognize an incredible opportunity ahead of us. We recognize some fields that are ripe for harvest, but the workers are few. Lord, send us. We pray for more workers. As the Lord of the harvest, we pray for more workers into the fields. And we are desperate for it. We need it. But Lord, it starts with our yes on the table. May we be a worker for you. Not for our salvation. We can get scared of that word working. No. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not for uh, our own glory or our own uh, pat on the back. No. It's all about grace and what you've done for us. But boy, we put it all out there because you're worth it. And we're going to do everything that we can to reach people, reach this city to reach the world one day at a time. It is an opportunity of great growth. May we step into it with a fervor, with a passion for the lost, with a passion to see this city changed for your glory. Jesus, you have changed our lives. And we would go with you anywhere. And we hear you say, go tell people. And so may we go tell people what you've done. Have we been redeemed? Speak out. May that be our heart's cry. And Lord, as we cry out, rescue us. I pray for your deliverance. And I pray for a bumper crop. I pray that you would take this dryness and turn it into 
uh, an ocean, to a, a flowing river of life. May we be a church that gives life to people, eternal life, an earthly life that is not void of purpose and peace, but a life that is full of it, teeming with purpose and peace. May we be that people. I love my church family. I love my faith family. I'm so thankful that we're not uh, family by brick and mortar, that we're family by blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we unite together. May we be on the same page together. And may we go reach this city for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the good news. And it's in your name we pray. Everyone say amen. 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 This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.